Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. <laughs> happiness is egg-shaped. Hey, um, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison, in this special Samurai series. And today I am joined by rugby royalty, a very, very hard person to pin down because they are super duper busy all over the place everybody wants a piece everybody needs their views and opinion this is magnificent a samurai superstar sevens fifteens this lady can do it all and now is a league champion too and got to do it on crutches that's how good was able to win on crutches so without any further nonsense please welcome the one and the only Rachel Burford hello Hello. I think my teammates might have something to do with um, the win <laughs> as opposed to me being on crutches. But I did master celebrating on crutches, that's for sure. That was it was the way you sort of hurdled all the way to get into the photo with the crutches. I loved it. There's no way you were missing that. No, I just wanted to get on the pitch and just embrace the fact that we actually won. I was like, <laughs> and then even one of the girls, one of the girls that actually gave me the piggyback, if people actually watch the footage, <laughs> He actually nearly knocks me over and then like looks at me and goes, oh, sorry, do you want me to give me a piggyback? So, yeah, Lauren Brooke. It was, it was class and you were obviously so excited by it. Tell me, how hard was it to get you off the pitch? Oh, yeah. No, when I obviously did something to my knee, I knew that it was something significant and um, – when the physio just tried taping it up, I was like, look, we'll, we'll try. And I was like, I said to, I think it was Abby, I was like, what is it? She said, oh, we've got a penalty and we've got a line out. 
And I and I remember thinking, did we get a penalty for the late hit on me? <laughs> but it wasn't from that. Um, and then I said, okay, or I said, like, let's, I'll try and get to the line out and we'll see. Um, and as soon as I stood up, I was just like, I know I can't, I can't, I won't be able to do anything. So, yeah, just right decision to, to get off as quick as possible and get Izzy on to, to fulfil the rest of the game. I was like number one cheerleader on the sideline, though. Yeah, there's, there's no way you were disappearing for a shower and get treatment. You were sticking that one out. 100%, yeah. It was so nervy being on the sideline, though. Are, are you good at watching? Um, No, not really. Uh, yeah, I, I get quite invested in it. So I think it, it's different. I think depending on what, what I'm watching and, and what hat I've got on, in that moment I was very invested and very emotional and... Yeah, just, but at the same time had like complete and utter belief and faith. So even though it was nervy watching, there was at no time that I felt that we were going to lose that game. Like zero, even when I had Abby and Amy sat next to me because they're both in the sim bin. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Them two were going mad. I was like, you've only had to sit here for 10 minutes. I've been here the whole game. So you two could pipe down. Um, But yeah, even at that stage, I just, there was just something that, I just knew that that no matter what was thrown at us, we weren't going to let that um, game go. That's that's how special you are. They thought you were lonely, so they're like, right, come on, let's go and <laughs> let's go and keep her company for ten minutes and see how she is. <laughs> yeah, I think um, a couple of them were regretting that because it got quite close, didn't they? And they were like, oh my god, we're going to have lost the game. And I was like, just chill, just relax. I'm but, impressed yeah. by that. I didn't think you were going to say you were calming people down. I thought you would have been yeah. throwing your crutches at people. Yeah, well, I, just, I think because I'd seen kind of, I don't know, maybe from the sideline, I've seen the whole context of the game, the moments, the pressures, the momentum swings, and I just knew there wasn't enough time for Saracens to be able to turn it around, whereas, you you know, you're right in the thick of it. If you've just been carded on your try line and then they score, you're probably thinking, oh, God, what have I done, when actually there wasn't enough time for them to be able to come back and for that to be the difference, so... Yeah. Oh, it's actually quite logical thinking about it. <laughs> now reflecting on it. <laughs> and is that come with experience, you think, being a bit calmer in those situations? Yeah, I think the whole season gave us so many different experiences. You know, the previous years we kind of won everything apart from tight games against Saracens or we we did beat them just and Whereas this season, that season gone, we had some really tight losses. We had some big losses where, you know, Loughborough beat us really well. And and I just think we learned so much in that season, which then put us in such a stronger place for being in a final. A lot of our players got a lot more game time and opportunity. And so I just think the depth and the, the um, growth of our whole squad, um, you know, from that leadership aspect, but also just being in, tough times and and battling it out and and so for me that was I think part of the difference was that we're all kind of more mature and and gone through you know some not nice times because then you come out the other side of those yeah the it was a great advert and the the six nations there was lots of it went really well the lockdown restrictions do you think that's helped the women's game I mean, in what respect? 
just that you we were able to watch it there was there wasn't as much competition it was streamed so more people could probably access it women really engaged on social media we've spoken about this before how people like yourself and a huge number of the players and the teams have really upped their social media content do you think it's raised the profile at all i think naturally it would have but i think it's also given a hunger for you know, so many people are excited about the Allianz starting up again and the opportunity to watch it. And then as soon as the doors open again, it's like there was a massive thirst to want to be there. Um, and I think, so, like you say, not having all the different things going on and even their own rugby to go and be um, absorbed in, it did give us a bit of a spotlight and a real opportunity, um, obviously playing under different laws. So then it showed different types of the game. You know, there's maybe potentially more ball in play, less set piece time, so and less malls. But then that kind of made it maybe a different brand of rugby that pulled new audiences in as well. And and actually that those laws actually made some of the games a lot tighter. You know, you think of Harlequins especially. We we really pride ourselves on our set piece and using that as an absolute weapon. And then when that's taken away, you've got to find other ways. So I think that helped with actually closing some of the gaps between the the top teams and, and the teams that kind of are down the lower end of the league. So it made every game quite interesting. It was never a full-blown conclusion. And we did see so many different results go this way and that way throughout the season. Again, that probably draws more people in. And, and yeah, I think you're right. Having that spotlight where not so much is going on um, allowed us to actually be kind of at the forefront. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. And the social media blackout weekend was a real disappointment because at that point, the women's game was about to have a huge weekend. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's a shame because there was so much momentum, like with the Six Nations, the audiences that were that we got. And so, but, you know, things are bigger than rugby, aren't they? And, and sometimes you've got to take your place in that um, kind of movement that was going on. Um, but, yeah, I think it's kind of set precedent, hasn't it, for moving forward around the Six Nations. Was that the right move? And in my opinion, it was, whether that will continue, who knows at the moment. Um, but I think it just, we've always known, you know, people who play women's rugby and people who are invested and involved, there's a thirst, there's an interest, there's people out there that really want to watch and be a part of it. And we just got to make sure that we put it on the right landscape so that people can see it and be a part of it. Yeah, it was it was class. And then the Olympic Simmons, did you enjoy what? Well, I know you enjoyed watching it. Yeah, no, I loved watching it. Um and like real fair play to all of the teams and the staff and the management and all the background because it's been such a, a difficult time for everybody and the lack of competition and then for the, some of the games to be as tight as they were and to, for teams to push each other. I mean, at one stage, we you saw who are now the gold medalists, New Zealand, nearly go out to Fiji. And, it, and then, it, you know, it's just incredible to see that um, Fiji to medal. They've been always been such a competitive side, but you know, personally, think probably their fitness has let them down, and, and they've never really been able to finish it off. And, and for them to medal and go home with something is just remarkable. And the fact it's the first female medal in the country is is just unbelievable for them. But yeah, no, I loved it. Um, was real sad when it finished. It was like, oh, <laughs> now what am I going to do? But I didn't enjoy the unsociable hours. So having to get up and watch in the middle of the night um, some of the critical games. But, yeah, no, I love the fact that our sport is in the Olympics. The, the GB squad was just full of 
great role models, but great rugby players, it's all very well claiming they're great role models, but they're great role models because they were bloody good at what they were doing. Yeah, and and they love what they do. You know, you see that across quite a few of the teams. They really talk about, you know, loving what you do, love the grind, love the hard work and then reap the rewards. And you see that across that team and, and there's a real genuine love and support for each other. And, you know, people have been in those environments where you have a really strong culture, you have a really strong friendships groups, you will you will be successful or there'll be ways that you'll see success. And you could really see that with this group. They've been through such a, a difficult time with losing their contracts, being completely unknown what was going to happen, then pulling contracts together and, you know, not having that much time together. The players having no rugby, so then having to go back to 15s to jump between the two and then, you know, and even be in difficult positions to then have to choose, do I play in a semi-final for 15s? This club supported me all this time, but my dream is seven. So to be in all of that turmoil, but doing it together has made them such a strong and um, close group. And you could see that on the pitch, everything that they did. And yeah, I was really proud of of their efforts. I think a lot of people probably underestimated how good they were going to be and how close they were going to push teams. And, you know, they've got so much to be proud of. And I just think it's the classic sevens. France turned up and played their best rugby in that one game. And GB did it the day before. And and it's just that's how sevens go sometimes. But, you know, it just shows what what could that group do if they're in a full-time environment for a full-time, not for a couple of months. I'm pretty sure if Rachel Burford starts stamping her feet, something's going to happen there. (laughs) (laughs) Go give a knock on all the unions. No, I do think, you know, collectively the the unions do need to to get their heads together and work out what's best for the players, the programme. Uh, and to support their own individual unions as well, you know what we don't want to just isolate and and not grow Scotland and and Wales and, and England individually. But how can we do that? And also, how can we give GB the best opportunity to go to an Olympics in order to medal? Yeah, and the players, are you in contact with them? Is there any of them that you gave a little bit of advice, or how many messages did you send before the game and after the game? Yeah, so I messaged all of them just before, just, you know, they don't need advice. They're, they're well and truly in it. And, you know, some of them have been to the Olympics before, so they have experience. And, yeah, it's just more just letting them know that we support them and that we're here and, you know, we're, we can't wait to support and get behind them. And whatever the results go, whatever way, you know, that's our team and we support them. And I think just knowing those messages, and I've been in positions where I've been at World Cups and you go away and you get great support and then when you don't achieve what you want to achieve, then the, when the messages come flooding in, it, at the time you can't really absorb it because you're kind of like, well, we didn't achieve what we wanted to achieve. Nothing is going to make me feel better. But now the girls, a lot of the girls have been back for a couple of weeks now. They've had time to reflect and absorb all the messages that they've got about how proud people are and how inspired they've made people. And, you know, just the, the way they went about their business, you know, and how they played and how they had this fight and never gave up, you know, medals mean a lot to a lot of people they do but they don't define you completely and I think you know they showed so much without bringing a medal home that they could be really proud of and I think a lot of them now are starting to reflect and feel that and know that that's a bit of a mic drop moment but I love that that is (laughs) just class and uh, and some of the girls have been putting things out on their social media and you're absolutely right I, I read one last night um just sort of reflecting on you know I feel like I've let things down, but 
I can see what impact I've had. And those are strong messages. As you think back to, to little Rachel that picked up the ball at six or seven years old and you, you look ahead, could you have imagined that you were sitting where you are having done what you've done and talking the way you are? No, not at all. Um, from a, a rugby perspective, like playing, you know, Mickey Skinner was who I looked up to. I didn't even know that there was international an international women's team. Um, I think at least who I was maybe like 14, 15. So, yeah, never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be having achieved all the things I've done on the pitch. But then, and I, I honestly put hand on heart, like I wouldn't be anywhere without this sport in terms of off the pitch and all the opportunities that I've had and the jobs that I'm involved in now and the opportunities I have. Um, if I rewound and where I was at school, like I wouldn't even read out loud in a class. Now I, I now I'm in positions where my voice is very important to be heard, and and I just think you know rugby has given me that platform to be able to do that. And you know until you really sit back and reflect on the things that you do on a pitch and how I've taken that off the pitch and put it into everyday life, it's quite remarkable what the sport can do. And I think that's why we all stay so passionate and want to pass this on to other people because you're like, yeah, opens up so many doors and so many opportunities. Like just let give it an opportunity, give it a chance because um, yeah, it certainly completely changed my life. I read something that you'd said for one of your girls rugby club courses. And I think you were, you were doing a demonstration or you were talking to the kids in front of you and you mentioned some female rugby players and the kids didn't know who you were talking about. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, Maggie Alfonsi, she won't like me saying this, but we were like practicing like two V ones. <laughs> I was even like, I think I was saying something cheeky, like, you know, even though Maggie Alfonsi won't ever give a two on one because she wants to go for the glory. Um, you know, it's a really simple, basic <laughs> for one skill. And they all kind of looked at me blank. And I was like, do you know who Maggie is? And, and you know, there's been times where, and it's moved on now, but where I would mention like Emily Scarrow and they just kind of looked at me a bit blank and, uh, even to the point where my um, logo used to be the number 12 and they'd be like why are you got, why is that a 12 so like <laughs> so like these young girls they don't even some of them don't even know or recognize the role models I think it is in a very different space now because of the the amount of media coverage that we are getting and and the girls are in front of uh, young girls but it, yeah it was quite mind-blowing how some people you know they're coming on a camp on my camp but yet they don't know me or they don't know some of the people that I play alongside um and I used to also say as well because we used to because the camps are girls from all over so it's not just like at one club we might be based there but we have girls coming across the country um and we really encourage kind of that environment to be friendly and supportive and and you like you say oh do you want to play for your country one day and, and look these camps aren't about trying to get girls to play for their country if they want great but and most of the time, a lot of them put their hands up and I'm like, well, all of my caps that I've played for my country, I never played at club with Katie Daly McLean and I never played at club with Emmy Scarrett. So make sure you're getting to know people and in, in kind of invest in yourself. But again, they're still kind of like looking at me blank, like, who's she talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, like, I mean, it, it has been over the years a real eye opener about how much 
but I guess you know from my own experiences growing up there wasn't there was hardly anything in front of me and I was fortunate that my mum played and my sister played so it's kind of like well women and girls playing rugby is a bit normal to me um but yeah I think there's still so much to do in that space yeah, I think there's so many of you doing such a brilliant job. Rocky's all over the show. Tamara Taylor's there, yourself. You know, there's the Scottish girls are working really hard up here. Jazz Joyce is now a bit of a rock star with everything she did in the Olympics. So yeah. it's definitely improving, and that must give you a lot of heart. Yeah, it does. And, and do you know what? It shouldn't be players' responsibility to do that. Like, But they take it on themselves, and, and they put themselves out there, and they encourage and they support, you know. Lots of young girls through social media will contact, you know, the likes of like Rocky and be like, can't wait to meet you. And she'll make the effort to just reply because that means the world to someone. And, you know, you see these these pictures of these young girls where they've got a kit and it's got, you know, Concol on the back of her shirt or something like that. And you're just like, that's what it's all about. And, yeah, we want to we impact hundreds and thousands and, and uh, you know, millions. But, you know, if we're, we're getting ones and twos and you're seeing it grow across all the countries, then, yeah, it's so, you know, I wish I had, you know, a Rocky Clark when I was growing up that DM'd me and said, well done this weekend or, you know, took a photo with me. And, and it's really special. And I think sometimes when you're so in it like me personally in it now I forget about that impact sometimes I just think well you know we are who we are we're just people but you forget the the impact that it had I mean I I um I used to love Dan Luger the only reason why I loved him is because he came to my rugby club like (laughs) that's the only reason so if you think about the impact that that had on me as a, a young girl growing up just because I saw this figure could have been anyone and it's a bit like Mickey Skinner I met him was like oh yeah um but not understanding that how how impactful that is having that figure in front of you delivering a session taking a photo signing an autograph you know they they really really impact young people and I'm yeah I'm, I'm quite proud of how female players go about that and making sure that they are accessible yeah, I totally agree. And it's the connection that's key, isn't it? Yeah, that's- it's huge because, yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sorry, go on. No, just, and we've spoken about this before elsewhere, that the, the women are still accessible that there's not a million followers there's enough that you maybe can respond to things and you can take those pictures and life is probably 
normal, I suppose. Um, so you still get it. You're still quite grounded. Yeah. No, I think I think you're you're spot on that it is accessible at the moment, and and I even think you know as you move on that if we ever got to a place where you know people are proper famous, I still think players would give the time and and support because they've kind of lived through it i think it could be it could be quite different now you see generations where they're straight into elite sport mm. you know and they haven't they haven't gone through that kind of that experience in the, themselves you know young like you know someone like jess breach was watching a load of us at the world cup so so i think you know they've had that opportunity where they've had those role models in front of them which is incredible and hopefully you know that just continues um to grow because yeah we need to keep inspiring oh 100 and, and you are doing that being able to stand up and talk in classes was a challenge for you so you then get an invite to go and do something with a team like samurai where <laughs> you rock up two days before tournament happens completely different environment from trying to prepare for a world cup or a sevens world cup or how much joy do you get out of that invitational samurai environment do you know we we talk about this a lot like the core group and we say how lucky we were because not many people get that opportunity now because there's so much more competition that happens there's a lot of players who are contracted and we talk about how we're the lucky ones how we got to have the opportunity because at that time women's rugby didn't have a lot you were either you know playing international or you were um you know you weren't involved so then what was the next elite level and that's where samurai were kind of the the leaders and and in the forefront of providing those opportunities that were in line with how the men were in terms of you know they supported us to be able to be there so you didn't have to find your way financially to actually be um on these tours um and yeah and it was just it was so much fun like literally some of the best times ever the funniest stories the moments that we wish you could go back i mean all of us are trying to make out that we might do a comeback tour um <laughs> i haven't mentioned that to um terry yet but yeah we're all quite keen to to do that but i mean like we took we took it seriously in that we wanted to win and we wanted to play well and we wanted to do the badge really well but we also really embraced the social side of it and the team coming together in such short time how do we now bond together and, and like granted some of us knew each other and but it was just some of the most special memories ever you know and like I remember like we we um we went to Rome randomly in Rome I decided to put the final on at midnight like I don't even know who that tournament organizer were or why midnight was the time and um but that would like we had Emily Scarrett. That was her first ever time playing sevens, and she was literally shaking on the sideline. Like her system was shocked to anything. It was like I've never like been able to work this hard in my entire life. Like her entire um, um, anaerobic and aerobic system was shot to pieces. But it's just like you know times like that. Um, it's just so many great memories, and but also they 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 helped elevate our experience on the seven circuit, you know, having all the expertise and being aligned with the men and having that come across really allowed us as, um, you know, predominantly England have a lot of those experiences that we could take and then put into our international environment. Um, but yeah, some really, really special times. A lot of things I can't, 
can't disclose. Um, I'm yeah. looking forward to the autobiography <laughs> when Golden Balls gets a bit of a hard time because everybody thinks Emily Scarrett, there's no kryptonite, but it sounds like Samurai might have broken her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got some good stories from Rome on Emily. She probably can't remember most of them, but... Um, but yeah, no, it, honestly, some of the, like I remember when we played in the final um, in Dubai and um, like this, just give you some context, right? We were playing against, I think it was like a France development team, like they've sent a full-fledged team out and, you know, we've trained during the week, but we've also enjoyed our evenings um, and I remember we were on the sideline, there was a few minutes of play and this, oh God, this might have even been the time where it was... 10 minutes in the it was 10 minutes in the final and you could only make three substitutions I think and me and Claire Allen we got injured but we still went as water tech and I'll tell you another story about our water technical skills which were terrible um but anyway so we're on the sideline and there's like there's a decision to be made about who to put on um and we've got like these young whippersnappers uh, I think it was like Kerry Large um Sharkeen like real young kids it's almost like right they're going to get plenty of opportunities and it was like okay so we'll put Rocky Clark on Amy Garnett and Joe McGilchrist all three up front go on at a scrum time wasn't our ball and they literally just slammed straight out and we were like oh these poor French girls like oh my god Rocky Clark's coming on and and Amy Garnett oh my god and it was just how they just literally ran over these three French girls in the scrum was just, it was just so brilliant. And it kind of just gives you that whole contrast of bringing different people together and, and playing in that environment. But yeah, that was, that was quite a, um, a special moment where the three, I mean, they weren't old, but the old girls in comparison, it was like, right, let's chuck them on. Let's see what happens. And you see all three of them. Imagine like a 15s game and they're about to run over to an eight-man scrum and they're like, the head's on. Like, there's these three running on. It was just it's quite so comical to watch from the sidelines. But, but yeah, that was quite an um, interesting tour, especially Alan, to Claire Allen and I, <laughs> water tech girls. Um so we're we're trying to fill up the water bottles. This was a group game, trying to fill up the water bottles. We like, haven't really got any water. So we see that the girls have brought some waters in their rucksacks, you know, like clear plastic bottles. So we get those, we fill the water bottles up. <laughs> the game happens. And then we come back over to all our stuff and all the girls are like, where's our bottles gone? It's like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, our water bottle. I was like, oh, we used them for water. And then they were like, they had vodka in them. <laughs> <laughs> so, we very quickly got sacked from that job um but yeah that just kind of gives you give you a little insight to to a how claire allen and i are terrible water girls um but also the well it depends the, on what you look at maybe, maybe you were really we're good samurai water up. girls <laughs> yeah I true true yeah <laughs> i love it so you you played france can you remember the score in that game here's I your can't. here's the answer no oh, but I, what can what can you remember oh. all that nonsense and that's the people have spoken oh, right. to when i've done podcasts and so few they can remember maybe six or seven scores in their life but they could yeah sit for hours and tell you memories and people and and things yeah. that they've things that they've done and so if uh if you have a kid that 
Quinns and there's a chance for Samurai, how long would it take you to convince them to, to get on the plane or get in the car and go and play in a Samurai tournament? Oh, I... I've, I tried it this summer with some of the girls. I was like, you know, if you're going to play for someone, make it Samurai because it's more than just the game. Like you'll get you'll get great input from a rugby perspective, but actually it's the the other side of it that gives you the moments and the memories. And you know, genuinely, they are some of the they are probably some of the best times that my kind of era of players growing up. Because I remember I used to try and organise the players, which was an absolute nightmare. And I'm quite disorganised. So <laughs> me who's disorganised, organising players who are really disorganised um, was a bit chaotic. But, you know, everybody always wanted to play. Everybody wanted to. And when I would kind of send out the schedule of, you know, this is what we're thinking, like Rome, Dubai, um, where else would we go? Uh, you know, the European, sorry, the UK tours, Amsterdam was always the one that everybody wanted to go on. Um, and yeah, like people would just jump at the opportunity, just really wanted to be a part of it. Um, and yeah, it, it became, it became the team that everybody wanted to play in and be a part of. And, and, and that was because of the, the legacy that was being created on the pitch, like how we were playing, but also the, you know, the stories and thank God, not much social media. Oh God, I can tell you another story about that. Oh my God. <laughs> Amsterdam. Yeah. You don't you shouldn't be taking pictures of them anywhere if you go to Amsterdam because they end up they end up on someone's platform and then get pulled out during an England International Weekend when you're getting taught about social media and what should and shouldn't be on your on your account. Yeah, that was quite entertaining. Um when the world of Facebook really started to come out. Um we were taught a few lessons about what should and shouldn't be on your photos um and Amsterdam was one of those so we were quite I think we we probably blessed that there wasn't so much Instagram and Snapchat around back then because god knows what would be out um people would be digging up on us now <laughs> so many so many people I've spoken to have said that yeah I'm, I'm glad when I was on rugby tour there was no such thing as this or that or the other right yeah happy days so looking back Oh, uh, the one, the other bit I want to talk to you about is England, and it obviously meant a huge amount to you. And you had some tough times leading up to the big success. When you look back on that that journey, how does that feel? <sighs> I genuinely think like the the tougher times help shape and define you, and you learn so much from it. And I think without those times, you don't really know who you are as an individual and a team. Um, and again, it's a little bit like the the Saracens um, game and a bit like when we went into 2014, it was like there was nothing that was ever going to stop us. And there's that, that, that feeling inside. And I've only had that twice. Um, no, three times I've had that. I had that in um, 2014. I had that in 2017 when we won the league. And we had it in 2021 when we won the league. It's just there's something that you can feel that you can't explain, that you just know it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And, and they were the three times that I felt like that. That was a hell of a squad of players. 
that that you had with England to to do that, and you know, so many of them now are are role models, and and if they were coming around now, their life would probably be quite different. But the challenges they experienced to get to that point brought you closer together, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I mean, are we talk about twenty fourteen, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So if you look back at that year before, we had probably one of the worst seasons ever. So we were split at that time. We were doing sevens. So I was like a part-time. There was, I think, I think the entire backline was, apart from maybe one or two, was doing part-time sevens for half of that year. So we didn't play in the Six Nations, um, which is the year that Ireland won the Six Nations. And I think we finished fourth. So we had that bad time. The sevens, we didn't fulfill what we should have done there either. We came sixth or fifth. I think we came fifth. Um, when we should have been in kind of a medal. Well, no, it wasn't. wouldn't have been a medal, just be one medal World Cup. <laughs> um, so we did really badly at that. Then, literally, the sevens girls, we got back from Moscow, sevens World Cup, um, and five days later, um, if it, even it was that, it might have been less, we got on a plane to go to New Zealand to go on a, a three-test tour in New Zealand. Bear in mind, we hadn't played 15s. We hadn't been with the squad, with the team, anything. Um, we got on the plane, went to New Zealand, we lost in New Zealand 3-0 um, and like badly in terms of the first one got away from our second one. We we had won the game, but it was New Zealand and the clock was in red and Portia Wildman ran the length and then killed all our dreams off. So like we had such a bad build up into that, that season and that year. Um, and then all of a sudden, like all of those moments led to us getting closer as a group. So even though it was really bad on pitch against in New Zealand, the closeness that brought us together off the pitch, it was one of the best tours for that. Um, and I think, you know, those defeats, bringing us closer together, trying to figure things out and work things out together, because it's easy when things are going well, right? And you don't really reflect as much. Um, but when things aren't going right, you really have to kind of dig deep into it. And I think that kind of was what set us on to for the rest of the season. Um, I'm pretty sure, but we lost the Six Nations in 2014. So it's almost like, and then every year where we've won everything, so, so that's the contrast. We lose everything going into 2014, win the World Cup. We then win everything in 2020, <laughs> autumn, Six Nations. We go to New Zealand, beat New Zealand, and then we lose at the World Cup. So my advice this year, <laughs> at least maybe lose one game. <laughs> yeah, have, have a stinker. And the, Ian McGeekin, on one of his speeches to the Lions, talks about you'll meet each other in 30 years' time and there'll just be a look. Is that what it's like with that group? Yeah, and I think that came alive when we went to the Houses of Parliament and the 1994 squad was there. And they and Jill Burns was like, no matter what happens in life, this group has something special, something in common that nobody can ever take away from you. And I think that was the real realisation. Um, and now you can kind of look around when, you know, lights of you know, all the players that were involved, you can think of them and know that we did something collectively special that we'll have forever. No one can take that away from you. And I think that's the look, that's the thing where you can go in a room and be like, yeah, we did that without even needing to say it or talk about it. Yeah, well, <laughs> on that note, I've spoken to Rocky and Tamara 
and I'm trying to pitch to Channel 4 for uh, bringing the squad, a bit like the Friends reunion. Oh, but yeah. I, but I get to be James Corden. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that, that's the only, that's the only bit of the Are we doing as well? Oh, well, yes. We could pick everybody up on the way, right? This is maybe going to have to be longer than an hour show. Maybe it could be yeah. a six-part series. Are you going to need to get a mini bus? I think it's going to have to be an open top bus for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can be in charge of you could be in charge of hydration. Oh yeah, I'm good at that. <laughs> I am Polish after all, so <laughs> that's where the bucket roots come from. <laughs> love it, Berth. I've absolutely loved speaking to you. Always do. You're so full of positivity, and it's no wonder everybody wants a PC. So thank you for letting me have some of your time today. If you had to sum up samurai what would it be oh oh god that's really hard um i think it's quite difficult to just put it into a summary i think they are the kind of the leaders in in that professional but i don't know how to put it the they're kind of the, I can't even put it into words now. You really got me. You got me there. Um, I can't answer that. Just just give it Terry's favourite hashtag, Samurai Family. Samurai Family. Look good, play good. That was always another one. Um, yeah. But, yeah, they kind of bring that professional era um, to the amateur side. And, and it just, it's so you are welcome straight into a family like you've never, never been before. And I think the fact that we could always easily go back and it is a, you know, we we're back playing 10 years ago with that group of people. Um, and I think that's what's special is the legacy that they can give on the pitch, but also off the pitch. And there's not enough of that um, or not as much as that anymore. So they, they hold on to something very special that a lot of teams struggle to, to be able to create. Yeah, I love it. Berth, thank you very much. You got there. You, you nailed it as as usual. Um, and all the best to the rehab. And I can't wait to see you back on the paddock. But no doubt we'll see you all over the show on social media and advising everybody on what they should be doing and how they should be doing it. Well, I'm going to advise you. Is that a football behind you? Uh, that is. That's my signed Hibs football from when I was a kid. Look at that. It's got John Collins on it. I bet you don't even know who John Collins is. No. You're a disgrace. Collins, You're a disgrace. John Collins. No, John Collins scored for okay. Scotland against Brazil in a World Cup. Don't get me started. Oh God, that's a whole new podcast. Don't get me started. Yeah. Oh, hey, there you go. Bruce H. Uh, Rachel Burford with Don't Get Me Started. Love it. <laughs> you heard Love it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. Burr, thank you very much. Great to see you. All the best. And you. Thanks, Bruce. Bye. See ya. You gotta love that. Everybody loves Burf. She's everybody's favourite. She's your favourite, my favourite, everybody's favourite samurai, Rachel Burford. You can catch us on Acast, Apple, and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. If you've enjoyed it, leave us a review, tell your friends, and tune in for more with the Samurai series. My name is Bruce Hitson from Happiness Egg Shaped, and I look forward to seeing you all again very, very soon. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. Love's a circle with no end. Love's a circle with no end.
Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.